Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining me for another episode of CWTG. As you know, I'm Teddy G, your host. And on this channel, you know, we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. So y'all go ahead and grab yourself your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or latte, whatever it is that you prefer to drink. And uh, join me for the next few minutes as we're going to talk about this uh, Kim Potter, who was the uh, officer that uh, murdered uh, Dante Wright. And uh, she had her first uh, court appearance on the uh, manslaughter charges that she was finally uh, charged with. So we're gonna get right into that, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as we take care of our dirty laundry with the uh, Copyright Act of 1976 under title 17 section 107 allowances is made for the fair use for the purpose such as criticism comment news reporting teaching scholarships and research fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing non-profit educational or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use so yeah ladies and gentlemen she has finally uh faced uh charges and uh which it took them a minute to do, but naturally, you know, they gave her the opportunity to uh, resign, which uh, uh, she did. So you know what that does, ladies and gentlemen, that saves her pension, you know, especially uh, in the fact that uh, she know that she no, no longer had a future in the, uh, in the police department. Plus she might go to prison. And if she do, then what? She has an income. You know why she gets locked up which we it's probably pretty doubtful but uh, still the fact remains ladies and gentlemen that's why in this uh, article that i'm going to read to you from uh npr it uh it uh states uh several times that she is a former police officer but let's get the understanding that she's a former police officer because she resigned. In other words, resign, ladies and gentlemen, when you got 26 years on the force, is just another word for retire. So what she pretty much did was she murdered Dante Wright, then she retired, and now she's going to collect her pension, is what that means. So to me, that's just, uh, I guess she was rewarded for her uh, state-sanctioned uh, uh modern day lynching of Dante Wright. I also have uh, several guests on my show today uh, who you know, uh, Sergeant Dorsey. She's a contributor to this channel in more than one uh, topic. Uh, she'll be uh, interviewed by uh, um, Ebony, uh, Ebony K. Fields, who's a uh, a reporter and our anchor person on um, Revolt Black News. So we'll be hearing from uh, both of them today. All right, so y'all, please don't forget to hit that like button 
and uh, hit that share button and share these stories and hit that uh, follow button and become a, a member uh, of this channel. You know, we can be reached on um, 11 and 12 different uh, uh, platforms, Palmcast platforms. So pretty much whatever you listen to, you'll be able to find Chilling with Teddy G on it. Now, with all that being said, let's uh, get right into it, people. Uh, NPR is reporting that the uh, former uh, Brooklyn Center Minneapolis police officer charged in the killing of Dante Wright <laughs> made her first uh, court appearance Thursday as members of the uh, Wright family continue their, their call for consequences. Now, the police officer uh, have said that uh, Kim Potter, a 48-year-old uh, white woman, mistook her handgun for her taser when she fatally shot Wright, a 20-year-old black man, on Sunday. In the body cam uh, footage, Potter can be heard yelling taser just before um, shooting uh, Dante Wright. Now, and ladies and gentlemen, I learned from, from um, retired uh, uh, L.A. police officer, Sergeant Dorsey, um, Sergeant Dorsey, that uh, you know, that's a response that you do when you're going to shoot someone with your taser. You yell out "taser" or or even in a sequence "taser, taser, taser." This gives a an alert to the uh, police officers that you're about to fire your taser uh, on a, a suspect. Now, I'm telling you that for a reason. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? And I, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna t later on, you'll see why the, uh, that's important and the significance behind it. But this article goes on to say that the uh, um, Washington County Attorney's Office has charged Parter with a second-degree uh, manslaughter. Now, she faces a maximum sentence of up to 10 years in prison. Now, Parter was arrested Wednesday and released later that day after uh, posting a $100,000 bond, which I, if, if I'm sure, I bet you that was posted by um, probably the police union, you know, or maybe a, um, maybe a bail bondsman, which comes out to about, if she paid 10%, which most likely she did, comes out to about uh, $10,000. Now, she is uh, being represented by uh, Earl Gray, a high-profile Minneapolis defense attorney who was uh, uh, represented uh, multiple officers and a former uh, Vikings quarterback, Dante Culpepper. Now, one of his uh, current clients is uh, Thomas Lane, a former Minneapolis police officer who helped uh, uh, restrain George Floyd. So we'll be seeing a lot of him in the news because... Uh, Thomas Lane case is coming up in uh, August, so he will be representing him as well as representing Kim um, uh, Potter. So uh, it was said that in Thursday's a court appearance was brief and conducted via Zoom. Her next appearance has been scheduled for uh, May 17th, and that one will be in person. And that case has been assigned to... Uh, Hennepin uh, County Judge uh, Regina Young or Regina Chung. But now, meanwhile, um, 
at a church in north of Minneapolis, the members of the uh, Rice family and their attorney, which is uh, Benjamin Crump, and we all know him. He's been in most of the uh, uh, high-profile uh, civil rights cases of late. Um, he held a press conference uh, where uh, they continue to demand uh, consequences uh, for uh, Potter and her uh, state-sanctioned uh, murder of uh, <clears throat> Dante Wright. Um, they've also uh, laminated their son's name joining those of uh, other black men killed by uh, police officers in uh, encounters <coughs> excuse me <coughs> that uh, began uh, over seemingly minor uh, transgressions uh, such as Eric Garner selling uh, loose cigarettes and Floyd using a suspected counterfeit $20 bill and you know what and why are they saying that ladies and gentlemen I'm, this is what I want our children, and you have to teach your children to understand that uh, something that is minor or something that even you just consider minor, ladies and gentlemen, when you're dealing with these uh, uh, law enforcement race soldiers could uh, uh, end up in your death. And you know what? I, I bet these police officers want us to uh, have that type of fear of them because every time you turn around, uh, they amp up their uh, aggressiveness to uh, show the world as well as to show us black folks that uh, they're not going to tolerate uh, us getting on them when it comes to the fact that they want to continue to uh, operate the way they have been, which is uh, having plate and total control over you just like they did when they were uh, slave catchers. And you know that's the uh, the foundation of uh, all police departments. We all know that this isn't uh, this isn't new information. But uh, every time something happens where a police officer is uh, reprimanded, or or charged, or even convicted of these uh, uh, modern day lynchings, the police office, the police uh, departments, in my opinion, and these officers, they fight back by uh, committing another heinous act, right? By killing another uh, individual, you know? And so it's not just the fact that they're getting their rocks off. Oh, we know they're doing that too. But believe me, that's not the only uh, message that they're sending out. They're letting you know that we have no intentions on, on stopping operating the way that we do. Now, that's just my opinion. That ain't nobody else saying that. Well, there are a few other grassroots black media outlet stations who are sending the same message out there trying to let you guys know that these uh, narratives that we're giving you are true. They're not false. They're not made up. There's plenty of receipts out there to back them up. And this is what uh, uh, we want to get you guys to know. And this is what we need to uh, uh, teach our children and tell our children that when you encounter these police officers, we're going to fight them in courts. We're not going to fight them in the streets because we're going to lose. They got their utility belt loaded with all type of uh, uh, weapons in their arsenal to be able to take you out. I'm sorry that this is the message that has to be preached, but it has to be known because this is what they're doing. And every time something happens, they amp up by doing something, by making something else happen. 
worse. So the bottom line is to uh, to get home safe and fight our battles in the courtroom. Well, we don't have to worry about being uh, 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 killed. Even if they violate your rights, which they're known to do, that's one of the things that they do in order to uh, precipitate these situations. Um, they escalate situations so that they can uh, uh, cause more harm to you or even uh, lynch you. So this information that I'm giving you, these, these gems that I'm dropping on you is so that you can get your children or you can get your man or you can get your woman. In other words, your husband or your wives or your boyfriend home from a, a police encounter. Because let's face it, you are subject to being gunned down, lynched in a modern day style in the divided snakes of America today. If you are one of the ones who don't want to comply, even when you know your rights and even when you know you're in the right. That uh, this is the things that they do to you. Like I told you, they're sending out a message. So we're going to send out a message as well. But our message is, is that you're going to go to prison. You're going to be charged. You're going to go to prison. We're working on trying to get the qualified immunity uh, uh, disbanded. We're trying to find a way to get uh, to start um, uh, making hold these officers accountable, making them uh, uh, payable by losing their pensions and, and uh, their, their jobs and and being personally sued rather than every time that uh, uh, we win a lawsuit that it comes out of our own pockets through our, our taxes. Because this is what happens. And as long as that's going on too, let me make this point clear. This is another reason why they know that they can continue to commit these uh, nefarious acts. Because they know that they won't be held accountable. And then in the event that the department is held accountable, they're not worried about it because they know your dollars, your tax dollars is going to pay off any uh, lawsuit that has been um, filed and won against uh, them or whatever police department in whatever city that it's in. So, y'all got to excuse me, I'm wiping my face because the air conditioner unit went out and uh, it's a balmy uh, 89 degrees in here right now. So I, I'm sweating like a pig in a blanket. So if you hear me muffled while I'm talking sometimes, that's because I got to get that sweat off my face. But uh, hopefully we'll get that uh, up together. That's another reason why I tell you guys, please, if you can, support this station. Because there's many things involved with uh, operating these channels that is uh, not seen by the public. And this station is 100% uh, uh, viewer supported. So when, other, so when surprises happen, like the air conditioning going out, you know, we have to get somebody in here to, uh, to re uh, repair this unit or replace it because I don't know what's wrong with it. This is where your viewer uh, supports uh, financial contributions come into play as well as doing other things by maintaining equipment and getting new equipment that's needed and whatnot. But anyway, I digress. Um, so getting our family home is the main point when you encounter these uh, race soldiers. So let's keep that in mind. All right, let's get back to this article. So we were talking about uh, Eric Garner selling the loose cigarettes and George Floyd with his supposed or suspected counterfeit bill. 
these guys were were killed right and they got uh no due process they didn't get to uh, have the uh, the officers come before the court of law and have the witnesses and the evidence presented to a jury to make a determination and that's what crump tells us and crump also says that uh um has represented more than a dozen families in high-profile police brutality cases, many of which did not result in charges for the officers involved. He said the uh, manslaughter charge against Potter was evidence of change uh, coming to America. And we just got through telling you that. And a lot of this is happening through these uh, black grassroots media outlet stations as well as the uh, families uh, of, uh, of these victims. Um, shouting to the rooftops that they want these uh, police officers as well as these departments held accountable. So with that being said, let's go to uh, uh, Ebony uh, Williams and uh, uh, Sergeant uh, uh, Dorsey and get some more insight on this story. We're going to get some updates and some insight on this story. That was the reason why I told y'all guys to keep in mind what I told you earlier about taser, taser, taser. Okay and rebuilding. And what our folks on the ground want to know is what they need to do to make change. But now we're going to bring in a retired police officer to help us get some more perspective and information about these issues. In fact, she's a retired LAPD sergeant. Welcome to the show, Sergeant Cheryl Dorsey. Thank you. So wonderful to see you, Sarge. Now, just the other day, you tweeted this. You said of uh, Dante Wright that it was murder, not a mistake. You went on to say that the officer seemed to remember part of her training that required taser announcement, but cannot differentiate between duty weapon and taser. The point you make, Sergeant Cheryl, is clear and convincing. Do you think that your fellow law enforcement officers uh, tend to see it as clearly as you do? And do you think that's why she ended up resigning? And now <coughs> it's being reported that she will face second degree manslaughter charges. Well, certainly, you know, those uh, in law enforcement who look like me, understand and listen just police in general you know it's, it's something to be on that department and know the culture and know the lingo and so let me just tell you what i know after having spent 20 years in a uniform myself which is you know police officers and listen i'm preaching to the choir we've seen them create an audio record that's contrary to what's really going on we've seen officers say uh, quit quit fighting me quit quit resisting when there's no resistance going on and so this is a this is a veteran tenured officer 26 years in uniform and she understands that training requires when you do use a taser which is located on her weak side so that means she's right hand dominant she has to reach across her body to get it which is an awkward movement compared to just reaching straight down for your duty weapon on your strong side and we know when you deploy a taser you say taser, 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 so that other officers can get out of the way and not be subjected to um, being charged as well. And so she knew all of that to do, but somehow she messed up and she grabbed her duty weapon. We know our weapons intimately. We deal with them constantly. We have to be familiar with them because our life depends on it. You know, we train so much on the Los Angeles Police Department with our weapon holstering, unholstering, uh, being able to do it when you're not looking, loading, unloading. And so all of these things are second nature. You don't make that kind of mistake. And for her to just decide at the 26th hour or the 11th hour to uh, resign, understand resign means she retired. She's got enough time and grade to just go ahead and retire 
draw her service pension, which I know causes a lot of angst for, for folks, and then wait and see what happens if she's charged criminally. Let me ask you this about the community and black cops. Um, I'm always appreciative of having conversations like this where I can speak to black law enforcement, or in your case, former law enforcement, very directly. Uh, there are some people in our community that have empathy and, and, and concern for our black law enforcement officers. And then there's those in the community, Sergeant Cheryl, I ain't got to tell you, that just see uh, law enforcement um, that, that are black as well as the opposition. Um, from your experience, what's the morale like for black law enforcement officers in general right now in this moment? Do you see law enforcement um, that is black uh, rallying together to, to have an experience that can increase the relationship of trust between black law enforcement and the community? I think it varies from department to department. Listen, there's 18,000 police departments across the United States. And a court, a, 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 um, understanding that the, the degree to which they have black officers, uh, at least in LAPD, I can only speak to for sure, it seems to be shrinking. I mean, there are fewer and fewer. I think we make up 9% of the Los Angeles Police Department. And so within that, you know, we really don't have a place to go. Every department has some form of a black police officers association. Some are more uh, stronger and more active, uh, more proactive with their members than others. But for the most part, you know, you have to be built a certain way to do this job. It really is not for everybody. And you can't come on any police department thinking you're going to make friends internally or externally. And so for me, you know, it was never difficult because when I joined the LAPD, I joined knowing I'm a black woman first. I'm a mother of four sons. And I had decided that when I joined this department, I joined because I needed a good paying job. But I also knew that I was going to treat everyone I encountered the same way I would want you to treat my own children should you ever encounter them. And a lot of it really, Ebony, it's just common sense, right? And if sense were common, everybody would have it. But I think it's so important for black folks, given all the obstacles that they put in our way to get on these departments, you need to get on it. You need to be there. Change will come from the outside, but certainly you can have an in, uh, you can have influence internally. Wouldn't it have been nice if there was someone who was like me uh, standing outside of a Tatiana Jefferson's bedroom window when Aaron Dean decided to fire a, a round in there or someone uh, seated, uh, uh, someone present when uh, Derek Chauvin was seated on Mr. Floyd's neck to pull him off and say, that's enough. Get off. What are you doing? If we're not there, we can't have that kind of influence and input. And so it's so important. There's so many things. There's not one thing that's going to fix this. It's institutional. It's systemic. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And it's also, Ebony, top down because we have police chiefs and we have sheriffs who uh, condone this craziness. There was a sheriff uh, who was giving out gift cards to his officers when they would mistreat black folks. We have here in Los Angeles on the LA County Sheriff's Department, we have 17 internal gangs, regulators, executioners, jump out boys who uh, get tattoos like gangsters do when they mistreat or kill somebody. And the sheriff, Alex Villanueva, is aware of it. And so how do you deal with that? Now, did y'all hear that? I'm going to repeat that part so you can hear that. She said you got police officers who are being rewarded when they commit these heinous crimes against black people. And you also heard her tell you that it starts from the top down that these police commissioners are well aware of what their officers are doing and that some of them even reward their officers for doing so. Now, I'm going to say that, 
And then I want to correlate this with that. This goes back to, ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about that blue wall of silence. You got these black officers in these blue uniforms who are so yellow that they are, are red in the face about losing their job if they do the right thing. Sounds like a box of crayons, don't it? But yeah, that's the case. But let's hear that one more time. I need that to sink in your head. Especially when we sit back here and we hear the BS that comes from the vice president and that comes from Tim Scott and that comes from uh, 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 um, Sloppy Jim Crow that uh, there is no um, racism in America. That, uh, uh, that America is not a racist company, a country. Can you believe that? You, when you hear that crap right there, but then you hear this experienced 20-year veteran former L.A. police officer telling you that there's racism going on. And it's going on to the fact that where some of these people, they play games about it. They're in gangs. They're in police gangs. She just named them for you. That the police commissioners, these are the ones that's on high, are complicit in these uh, state-sanctioned murderers and then even reward uh, their law enforcement officers for uh, crimes against uh, Native Black American people. Boy, oh boy. Dang. Institutional, it's systemic, and it's been going on for a long, long time. And it's also, Ebony, top-down because we have police chiefs and we have sheriffs who uh, condone this craziness. There was a sheriff uh, who was giving out gift cards to his officers when they would mistreat black folks. We have here in Los Angeles on the LA County Sheriff's Department, we have 17 internal gangs, regulators, executioners, jump out boys, who uh, get tattoos like gangsters do when they mistreat or kill somebody. And the sheriff, Alex Villanueva, is aware of it. And so how do you deal with that? Rotten from the inside, like you said, uh, Sergeant Cheryl. You know, and I think what you're making is an important point, though, right? Like me personally, I've always felt it was important for us as a black community to always at least create the space um, for that kind of internal change uh, to come from spaces that we know have been historically corrupt against our people. That includes law enforcement. That includes prosecutor offices, right? Uh, we have to make space for black folks to ascend into those ranks and be bombastic change agents from the inside. Uh, but, you know, there's a counter argument as well. Uh, nobody put it better, in my opinion, than James Baldwin, uh, who, who wrote this. He said that he feared black cops more than white cops because the black cops had to work so much harder on your head to prove to himself and his colleagues that he was not like all the others. Um, I know you've heard variations of that sentiment throughout your career, Sergeant Cheryl. I know you have. Uh, what is your reaction? To that, yeah, that, and, that and you know, and I, I think there's some validity to that, but it's not just unique to law enforcement. Listen, you know, black folks in general, we're always afraid to do what white folks <laughs> don't have a problem doing. You know, we don't want to help each other, whether it's in law enforcement or whether you work at a hospital, you know, because we're afraid that if we are, uh, you know, too helpful to someone who looks like us, it's going to be a problem. And I've certainly experienced that on the LAPD. I talk about the racism and what I refer to as reverse racism, black folks not wanting to help me when I thought, you know, that's where I should go to to get the most help. But it's certainly, um, certainly there's some validity to that. But also, like I said, I'm sure there are certainly many like-minded folks out there who are taking courses that have to do with 
criminal justice right now who are um, would be well suited and well placed on some of these departments. And, you know, like I said, when you come on, if you come on knowing and understanding uh, what you're going up against. So when it happens to you, see, I wasn't looking for friends. I wasn't looking for anybody to be nice to me, Ebony. You know, I had partners. I'd get in the car with them and for eight hours, they wouldn't even speak to me. <laughs> and my position was, okay, works for me. Don't talk to me. I don't talk to you. But but what I wasn't going to allow them to do was mistreat anybody who looked like me. And eventually I developed a reputation. It wasn't a good one in their mind, but what they didn't do in front of me was commit police misconduct because they didn't know if they could trust me. And they couldn't. As we wrap up this segment, you know, here at Revolt Black News, we like to stay in the space of solution. Sergeant Cheryl, are there any other big takeaways that you think create the path forward for policing in, uh, in America and in Black communities at this moment? There's much for us to do. I say get involved and get engaged. When you have an opportunity to attend a community meeting and have your voice heard, go speak to the police chiefs, meet with the mayors, meet with legislators. Uh, if you don't know of an organization in your community, start one. Get involved, get engaged, uh, get on juries is so important. I know that there are obstacles and stumbling blocks that they put in our way, but but we have got to, because if you don't show up, then it's an easy fix, right? So we need to get on these juries. We need to vote. We need to vote for people who are like-minded. If you don't like your district attorney, then start looking for people in the community that you can help put up. Uh, if you don't like your mayor, uh, replace them. Politicians understand one thing, and that's votes. And so I say the onus is on us as a, as a community to not sit around and wait for other folks to fix it for us. Get involved and get engaged. Sergeant Cheryl, that's why we appreciate you here. We appreciate your willingness to have frank, honest, accountable conversation about the issue because only talking and doing things about it are going to create that change that we all seek. Uh, listen, y'all, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, yeah, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the way that we're going to get some accountability to to these officers and to these departments. And, you know, it, it's talking about it and um, instituting some um, some systems that will be put in place that will uh, uh, help us out uh, as a whole. Now, you know, even, uh, you know, that's the reason why, like, let me say this, that's the reason why these uh Grassroot black media outlet stations are so much, uh, so very important, okay? Because they're getting these st stories out here. They're talking about these uh, 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 situations. They're getting involved with uh, 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 legislation because these are the things that uh, is going to have to be done. When we talk about uh, reforming the police, when we talk about uh, uh, um, um, deconstructing the entire thing, that's what we mean. And that's why we talk about these issues and we put them out there in the forefront because you're going to have to start from the top down. You're going to have to tear this whole uh, judicial system down, all parts of it, and start over. You know, even right now when we talk about, like, uh, for ex uh, the George Floyd uh, uh, um, Justice and Policing Act. I mean, that's a piece of legislation that is going to do very little good, even though it was... It, it was written up. But the main reason why I said that, ladies and gentlemen, is because they don't have no accountability in there for police officers by like by removing like um, qualified immunity, by making uh, these officers uh, be uh, uh, financially, not just criminally, but financially responsible for these acts that they commit. And with this current judicial system that we have and the current situations that keep arising on a daily basis, um, 
destroying the whole thing and starting over is the only way that it's going to work. And we're going to have to find a, a new foundation, a new base. The base that, they, that it's on right now is simply not going to work. Because this entire structure, this entire infrastructure as well is based off of a slave trade, slave catcher, and, and that type of uh, uh, system is what instituted the police officer. That has to be gotten written of. It has to be removed. It has to be destroyed. And the system we're gonna have to, that that needs to be built is gonna to have to be built from the ground up. That's when we talk about when you hear them talk about uh well when you hear me talk about uh defunding the police, that don't just mean taking money away from the police officer. That means to in my opinion, restructuring the whole thing and start putting monies into places that is gonna do more good than than um the more harm which is what it's doing right now you know a lot of these uh uh, uh funds that are being allocated to the uh, police department you heard what one uh, uh chief is doing with his he's buying gift cards for his officers who commit uh heinous acts and, and murderous crimes against um native black americans so y'all don't tell me that you don't think that there need to be some re uh, um, structuring and some uh, uh, refunding and moving up uh, finances around to like maybe uh, 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 getting some type of uh, mental health um, um, professionals inside the police department. So these are individuals who could be called rather than these uh, 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 race soldiers that y'all calling right now who not only are not trained in any uh, uh type of a, a mental uh, capacity to deal with uh, uh, situations and issues where, where mentally ill people are, are, are gunned down, are arrested, are beaten. That's just a one facet of where um, funds can be shifted in these departments to bring um, more help in uh, areas that that's where it's needed. No, but the, for them... All they want to do is buy more bullets, buy more guns, buy more riot gear, buy more billy clubs, buy more um, uh, uh, um, RVs and these tanks and these different things. No, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. Don't miss me with it. And let's stop lying to ourselves and let them start lying to us, telling us, oh, well, they need some more uh, training. They do not need no more training. They're well trained. In fact, their training is getting is, is getting them to do what they're doing right now. That's what their training is doing. So miss me with the training. Now I tell you something. Y'all wanna you you ask these questions, then then what are we supposed to do? Well, I just told you what to do. I just told you you need to uh, start. Uh, you need to start anew. And, 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 and until you can get a, a, a plan together to start anew, here's some simple things that you could do. Uh, start defunding, which I, in my case, which means start moving that money around to other resources within the police department like uh, that would uh, be of good um, to, the, uh, uh, um, to uh, the American society. Then, then, then you need to have uh, uh, these uh, polygraph tests. Officers should be polygraphed anywhere between every three and six months. They need to take a polygraph examination. 
And then uh, every six months, they, sh they de should definitely have some type of uh, mental evaluation. Because they tell you themselves that our job is very stressful. It's very dangerous. Okay, well, then if that's the case, then you need to be under some type of mental uh, evaluation every uh, few months. Those are just some of the simple things that uh, you could do. Start holding officers accountable who's got a whole bunch of um, um, complaints on their uh, record. One complaint is uh, one too many. But to keep it real, how do you sit down here with officers who's got eight, ten? Derek Chauvin had 19 complaints against him. How do you rack up these, uh, these, these this many complaints? You got officers with 25 and more. And they're still officers and they're still on the payroll. So the accountability. You got to start holding uh, um, these officers and these departments who allowed them to get away with it. This includes these commissioners. See, these are some fundamental ch uh, changes that can be done. When y'all want to ask about what well, Ted, what can be done? Those are the very things that can be done. To start. And the and these are only implemented as temporary basis until we uh implement a an, an entire plan that reorganizes the, the entire judicial system. Now that's what could be done. With all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to end this uh, uh, episode. And I want to thank each and every one of y'all for tuning in to this uh, very important episode on, on uh, uh, Chilling with uh, Teddy G. As I tell y'all always, please, guys, uh, hit that support station and support this station. Ooh, especially now. We're burning up in here. And, and uh, 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 hit that follow button to become a member and follow this channel as well as share. Share this station with as many people as you can, or at least five or ten, even if you don't share it with everybody on your contact list, so we can get the word out to as many people as uh, we can. With all that being said, I'm going to end this broadcast by letting you guys know, please continue to do your social distancing. We are not out of the woods yet with this COVID-19 and its variances and the other viruses that's just looming out here. So y'all, please continue to wear your outer gear. Please continue to put on your glasses, your face masks, your face shields, your gloves, your shoe coverings, washing your hands for 20 seconds or more, removing those clothes if you're outside for any extended amount of time and putting them directly into the machine, a washing machine and getting them washed up and then getting yourself bathed up and freshened up before you decide to relax and chill in your home to help reduce the spread of this virus. Get yourself uh, all freshened up and... Uh, and uh, to reduce the spread of this virus. Um, take care of that immune system. That is your number one defense, ladies and gentlemen, against COVID-19, against its variances, against any other virus out here is a healthy and strong immune system. And a healthy and strong immune system, ladies and gentlemen, can, can be taken care of simply by eating the, uh, the proper meals, taking the proper vitamins, eating the proper uh, vegetables and fruits and nuts and berries and seeds and lemon and garlic and onions and, and peppers and your G-bombs, definitely your G-bombs. All these uh, immune system builders will keep your system strong enough 
that you, it will prevent you from getting this virus or even in the unlikely event that you test positive, you'll be able to get rid of it with little to no medication. Oh my goodness, I love you guys. And loving you guys is my food. And Teddy G is hungry each and every single day of his life. And until I have the opportunity to talk to you guys again, I bid each and every one of you. Peace, love, and soul.